Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you bite and devour one another, you will be consumed by one another. If instead of serving one another because of love, out of love serving, if we bite and devour, so that we'll all be bit and devoured by each other. Uh, we don't want to be a group that's just turned in on each other, tearing one another up. We really want to be a place and a group of people as believers where we're building and loving and encouraging and strengthening. When we gather like this, that people would leave built up. We should never leave this place beat up. You should never leave your local church feeling beat up. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he teaches you about the unity that the Lord desires for his church. Your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ should work to edify and build one another up. As iron sharpens iron, so the body of believers should work to strengthen one another in the Lord. Pastor Bill encourages you to be a conduit of blessing. How can you reach out to a fellow brother or sister in Christ to encourage them in their faith journey? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 5 as he continues his message. Standing in Liberty. We have an expectation, the spirit eagerly waiting, we're looking forward to. And I hope that that's the attitude of your heart. I hope that your mind is looking forward to the return of Christ, looking forward to the day where we're going to be with him, that we have a hope of righteousness that's by faith, that we have a hope that one day we're going to be with the Lord. Things will be perfectly righteous. Um, that's the hope that we have. In the meanwhile, we, we down here dealing with the stuff down here that we're dealing with. We're battling in the flesh and we're living around all these different things. Verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And so it says in Christ, it doesn't matter if you, I mean, if you're circumcised or not circumcised. Um, yeah, we can say baptism in Christ. Doesn't matter if you're baptized or not baptized. Like this, it's irrelevant. What matters in Christ is faith that's working through love because genuine biblical faith it's going to work its way out of your life, right? If you're a person of faith, your person is born again, your faith is in God. God says that the faith working through love, that's what God wants out of us. And so I want you to, I guess I should explain the difference because under legalism, I'm working really, really hard to try to get God to like me, to get God to accept me, to get God to just, you know, see, like, look, look what I did. You know, anybody ever seen little kids, you know, work really hard and they're looking back to mom and dad. See, I did it. I did good, you know. Um, that's what legalism is. It's trying really, really hard so God will accept you or want you. But God said, that's not what I call. I called you now people of faith. It's going to be faith that's working through love. Our motives are so different. Now in Christ, like my faith is in God. It's finished. I got, I got everything I need already. And now in response to what God has done, um, I work. I, I, I serve, but I serve not so God will like me. Because God says, through, grace says that God likes me already. That he loves me even when I was unlovely. Grace says there's nothing you could do to make God not like you or love you. And there's nothing you could do to make him love you more. He just loves you. That's what grace is. God loves you for nothing. Grace is unmerited favor. God doesn't just love you. God's favor is upon you for nothing that you've done. Grace. So you can't be good enough for it. You can't be bad enough to not have it. God says my grace is upon your life because that's who I God. That's who he is. He's a gracious God. Every living person, the grace of God upon you. And so you get to respond to that grace. Now, my faith in God says, God, I'm, I, I'm already you already love me. You like me. You're good to me for nothing. And so anything I do now is, is, is faith working through love. I'm, I'm responding in, in, in faith and in love to the Lord. And so I serve God because I love the Lord and because we love people. 
And it's, I think that love for God, which is in response to the gospel, is a stronger motive than legalism. Right. We get a chance to serve God because in response, because of what you've done for me, Lord, God, I love you back. And I'm expressing my love and service to you. I'm a, I love your people because they're your people. Right. If you want to love me, love my family. Um, can you love me and dog out my kids and my wife? No, nah, I won't. I won't feel loved. You know, you go, I love you, Pastor, but I can't stand, you know, somebody else with my last name. We have a problem uh, when it comes to the Lord. It's like we express our love for him. It's God in response to you. I love your people. I love you. I serve. I'm not serving. I'm, I'm so glad I'm, I'm in. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I can't improve upon it. But I at least I want my life to say thank you. I want my life to say to express to God that I, there's gratitude. I'm so glad that I, that, that I belong to you. And so we serve out of, out of a different motive. We're not serving so God will like us. We already know he does. We're not serving so God will accept us. He's already accepted us. Uh, we're serving because of what he's done for us. Amen. And I hope that'll make a difference for us and that we're free and we're free from any bondage, any fear of God rejecting us and not loving us. If you've come to Christ, we're free of all that. And now it's like, God, now what do you want to do with my life? So you, since you saved it and I'm still here, what do you want? What do you want to do with me? And there's, he'll, he'll speak to you about that. He wants to do something through all of us as we yield to him. But he wants the motive to be love, gratitude, not not fear, not not because not God's going to get me. But it's God. You've been so good. I can't wait to you know, do something for you. I can't wait to do something that makes you, that pleases you. And the more I get to know the Lord and I get to know what pleases him and I get to be a part of the things that please him, I'm happy to be a part of that. Um, but the motives are different. And so moving on in verse um, seven, I'm sorry. He says, you, you ran well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? And so you guys were going the right way. You were running well. He says, but who hindered you? And I want you to note the who. He's saying somebody messed this up. And with all false doctrine, this is one. This is a it's a it's a thread. I cannot escape it. All false doctrine. One one common thread is who is this? Who who told you that? I'll talk to people that got a wrong theology. And it's like, who told you that? Who did you listen to? Who did you read? Because one thing is certain. I know you didn't sit down with your Bible and the Holy Spirit and come up with that belief. That belief came through somebody taught it to you. That's Christian false doctrine. That's cult false doctrine. One common thread is who told you that, right? When, when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and everything was good, they were naked and unashamed, it said. They were married and everything was jazzy and, and good. And then they went and ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat from. And they came back and God said, where you at? And that's all we hear from you because we, we was naked. He said, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? been talking to the serpent you've been you you've been you, something has changed and so all false doctrine all false doctrine somebody told you that be so careful christians who you choose to listen to if you're a fan of tbn just, just be careful it's it's really bad i mean just because you get a tv show and get on there it don't mean that what you're saying is accurate or true you need to be so careful that that you spend time in the word daily for yourself. That's your best defense against false doctrine is you, your Bible and the Holy Spirit alone regularly taking it in um, that you can discern error when you hear it, that you're reading books in their context and reading them prayerfully. And so when you hear something out of line, you're like, that's not what that's talking about. How, do, how would you know? Because I read the whole thing. I know that's not what that's talking about. But most Christians, uh, American Christians, we're, we're some of the worst. We take in, we feel like studying is listening to somebody else. I'm studying, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm studying. No, you're not. 
I'm, I'm studying. I got some books. No, 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 no. You can't study the Bible with other people's books. You got to study the Bible. And if you got anything, you might be looking up words to define them. But you, you study in the Bible only necessitate only mean you only need the Bible in order to study the Bible. And so, again, he said, who you ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Obviously, it was these Judaizers, these false teachers. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. Paul said, look, this, you guys have been persuaded of something that did not come from from him who calls you. Men persuaded you of this. And again, once I mean, how does someone become convinced of Jehovah's Witness doctrine? They got to sit down with Jehovah's Witnesses. They have to teach it to you. How do you become convinced of Mormonism? You've got to sit down with some Mormons and get convinced of it. How do you get convinced of the doctrines of the, the, the worldwide Church of Christ cult? Right? You got to sit down with them and let them tell you. They'll, they'll put it all together for you. This is what it means. You can't get it just from being with the Lord. Be careful of any belief, practice or doctrine that you can't sit down with the Bible and come up with it. You know, it's there. It's, it's there to be read and understood so that you can be free of that. And so he says this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Verse nine, he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And he he leaned on a, a, a idea that they would have understood. You know, they they use yeast to make the bread rise. That's leaven. And a little bit of leaven, just a little bit, make the whole loaf rise. A little bit of false doctrine ruin the whole thing. You don't have to add like that. And that's why I think a lot of false teachings, people, they still use the Bible. They still have churches. They still do music. They So many things still look right because it just takes a little bit to be off the whole way. You know, just a little bit wrong. If, if, if I get a church full of people, we'll sing songs to Jesus. We'll talk about Jesus. I'm just going to redefine Jesus for you. I'm going to say Jesus is not really God. Jesus is a God. But everything else, we have a Bible, we have, we have all these other things that look right, you get to see, you get your head bumped. Just a little bit of leaven, leaven's a whole lump. I was listening to one guy on this, he was talking about when you fly, and if you, if you fly out and the, the coordinates are, if it's one degree off in a flight, it's not bad, you know, for the first 20 minutes, you probably can still get where you were going. But if you're one degree off, say going from here to Hawaii, you'll never make it to Hawaii. Um, just, just, one, just one degree off, you'll be somewhere totally different. Dropped off in an ocean somewhere. And so when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, um, we can't be a little bit of leaven, leaven's a whole lump, a little bit of false doctrine, a little bit of misunderstanding how I get saved, erect the whole thing. You won't be saved. And so when he says here, a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump, he's saying that none can be tolerated. No false doctrine can be tolerated. No false gospel can be tolerated. Um, it's not acceptable. And so verse 10, he says, I have confidence in you. In the Lord. I like how he said that. Paul been kind of harsh with him. So he finally going to say something encouraging. He's like, I got confidence in you, in the Lord. You know, I, I'd make me wonder if he really had confidence in them. But he said, I got confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. He said, I got confidence you guys will, you guys will come around to the truth. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And he says, hey, the false teacher is going to be in trouble with the Lord. Um, James chapter three, verse one. Uh, it says, don't be many teachers, knowing that you shall receive the stricter judgment. And so he warns in James, hey, don't, don't everybody jump up to be a teacher because you're going to be held accountable. I'm accountable for what I say over this pulpit. I'm accountable to God for what I tell you the word of God says. And if I tell you the wrong things, I'm going to be in trouble for having lied on God to you. You're still responsible to to pray these things through. I don't believe that when we go to church, I go to church. I'll listen to people. I don't believe that we're to just listen indiscriminately, that whatever you say, 
you know, because you're the man of God. You know, whatever you say goes, you, you can question. You can say, I don't, that doesn't make sense. I have a question. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to go home and read on that myself. I'm going to go home and pray. You should go home and pray because if you pray, I pray, we all pray, we'll all get the right message. God ain't going to lie to us. I think it's, it's appropriate for people to say, that, that don't, that, if, if something rubs you wrong and, you know, you got to check in your spirit about something you're hearing, um, you should question it. You shouldn't just indiscriminately just, okay, well, the man of God said it, you know, because um, I'm seeing a lot of that where it's like I'm talking to people. I'm like, but look, at the, they said this. The Bible said, well, you don't want to be coming against God's anointed. I, I don't care what they, I'm not coming against them. I'm saying they lying on God. Like there's a there's a punishment for that. Right. And if they're not going to stop for their own reasons, you need to at least be able to acknowledge it that look, I'm, I can read something different than what he's saying. It says, you know. Uh, we should just be really careful. Uh, we living in a time where I find that the enemy is his attack on God's message and God's people is coming through something that looks just like, you know, Satan is a master counterfeiter. And so it's like, you know, I, I can't beat him. I'll join him. Right. God's going to be you know, God's going to do his thing. I'm going to just I'm going to make sure there's enough false doctrine, false churches out there that it runs people off. And that's what happens. Some people get involved in your false churches and they get discouraged. You know, you be there long enough, then giving all your money and then find out that they, they're not living no kind of way that this, it's not it's not what they said. And there are people that rather than holding those people accountable, there are people that say, I tried this God thing. I got let down. They got taken advantage. Of. I'm not doing no more organized religion. And you meet people like that where the enemy has used these bogus churches and things to just discourage people right on out the door. But I'll just say this. There's counterfeit money out there. Right. That counterfeit money don't mean that my, my I got real money, um, not a lot of it, but the money I have is real. I'm not throwing away my real money because they out there with counterfeits. You know what I'm careful of. If you handed me money, uh, you know, especially if it's a large bill, I'm going to take a look at it and hold it up to the light. I don't really know what I'm looking for, but I'm going to inspect it. You know, I want you to at least feel like it better be right, boy. You know, so but I'm not throwing away my real money because it's counterfeit. But I will be more careful to inspect uh, what's handed to me. Uh, so I'm not getting faked out, and especially with regard to spiritual truth. And so verse 11 now, it says, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do they um, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. And so Paul is saying, look, um, he had been accused of preaching circumcision himself. He said, look, if I did, why would they why are they still against me? Why are they still attacking me? Why are they persecuting me? Obviously, Paul didn't preach um, that they needed to be circumcised. Verse 12, Paul says, I wish I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. That phrase cut themselves off. Some of your translations may say castrate. Uh, Paul says, I wish that they would castrate themselves, cut themselves off. Now, rather, he meant that literally or figuratively. Um, either way, Paul is saying, I wish y'all I wish they'd get up out of here. Uh, I, I think he meant that I wish they would just cut them in the same way that a castration is a, a cutting off of a certain paraphernalia, you know, he said, I wish they would cut themselves off from you. guys. I wish they would just get out of here and leave you guys alone. That's what I wish. That's what I believe Paul is, is saying. Verse uh, 13, he says, for for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And here's where a lot of ministers are concerned. If we tell people that they're under grace and they're free in Christ and they're once they're saved, they're always saved. There is the fear that, man, people are going to take that and just run with it. You know, I'm, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. 
Cool, I can do whatever I want now. I got my ticket, you know. And again, I just don't believe it works that way. I believe that when you are born again, you are forever born again. I don't believe if you're really born again that you want to go do the old life. I believe that God gives you a new heart and new desires and convicts you against the old things, the old nature, the old desires. You may battle, but I don't believe that you, I don't believe that anybody really gets saved. It's like, yes, I got saved. Now I can go back and be what I used to be. I don't believe that it works that way. And so I won't be shy about saying, if you're saved, man, you're saved. And I want you to be free. I want you to enjoy the, the mental liberty that comes from knowing that I'm going to heaven no matter what. I belong to the Lord. I'm saved. It's God's strength that's going to keep me. It's important that we have that. But Paul says here, make sure that you don't use liberty, right? Don't, don't use your Christian liberty as a, to, to make opportunities for your flesh, right? But instead, through love, serve one another. Um, and this is the thing. Now, now that I've been saved, I'm free. Why did God free me in the first place? God didn't free me from the bondage of sin and the penalty of sin and all that so I could go sin some more. God freed me from that so that I could serve. And so he said, look, now I don't want you to use your liberty in Christ as a, 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 for opportunities. And I do believe that as believers, uh, we'll talk about this more uh, next week, that we're not to make provisions for our flesh. Right. We're not supposed to set ourselves up to to live wrong, do the wrong things. We need to we, we're responsible for aspects of our relationship with the Lord, even when even after we get saved. But he says here, hey, don't don't let this liberty be used as an opportunity um, for the flesh, but rather through love. Serve one. Another. This would be the difference. It'd be like me saying, hey, look, now that I'm saved, I'm forgiven. I know I'm going to heaven no matter what. Now I'm going to go ahead and, and dabble back in some of this stuff. God said, no, I freed you from that. So you could do these other things. I freed you from the bondage of alcohol. Not so I can go dabble in alcohol again, but so that I can, now that, now that I'm free of it, my mind is clear. I can study. I can learn. I can preach. I can do the things that God has called me to do. There are things God has called me to do that I couldn't do living my old life. If I were living my old life, this place, y'all wouldn't, y'all shouldn't hear me. Um, you know, no one should even listen. You know, that's, that's what my old life was. So God, I freed you so you can be this. God freed you guys so that you can do things that he wants you to do. And he tells us right here, I want you to, through love, serve one another. Um, that's one thing that everybody here can do that will glorify God. Through love, serve one another. God says, as a result of the love of Christ has been poured out in your life, I want you guys, through love, to serve one another. We all have different gifts, different abilities, and when we come together as a body, God says, I want a, a, a genuine Christian body of believers. It should just be a loving group. Um, I've seen really foul examples of church. I've seen messy church. I've seen gossip, backbite. You know, I've seen churches where people here don't talk to people over there, like families that got beef. Um, I mean, I've been in a church where like this family, their last name, didn't get along with this other family, last name. This family had a minister. This family had somebody that was in the music. And it was like, and we would all show up at church. And it was like, this is bad. We, had, we, 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 we all going out to eat. Certain people couldn't go, you know, because, well, they're going, are they going? No, I'm not going. You know, that was church. I'm like, what non-believer would come and be like, I want to join. I want to be a part of, I want to be part of y'all mess. You know, everybody here, you're born again and you understand how much God loves you and what he's done for you. Um, something you can consider today is, God, how can I, in response to your love for me, how can I, through love, serve other people, you know? And maybe there are things that God puts on your heart that are different than what he puts on my heart. 
Some people are loving others through teaching. Some people are loving others through acts of kindness. Some people are loving others through praying. Some people are loving others right now. There are people loving on you by watching your kids so you can be in here without distraction. There's so many different ways where we can, by love, serve one another. Make sure that you find a way. I don't make sure, God, that as I've been loved on so heavily by you, I want to make sure that there's some expression of your love flowing through my life, touching other people. Amen. And it's something that everybody can do. Right. Um, you don't need a special, awesome gift to be able. Everybody here can, through love, serve other people. Uh, it's a heart. It's a matter of the heart. Just position ourselves to be of service. And so uh, he says, I want you to through love, serve one another. Verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all the law summarized right there. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible always assumes that we love ourselves. Uh, there's no teaching in scripture that we should love ourselves. Um, so it's a common thing that people are like, you yeah, just got to love yourself. Um, I just want y'all to know that that's not biblical. Uh, the Bible always assumes that we love ourselves. And so God tells husbands, husbands, love your wife like you love yourself. He said that after he said, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Then he said, love your wife like you love yourself. Because I know you love yourself. And if you if you treat her like you treat you, she'll be happy. You know, then he tells all believers, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, when Jesus was challenged about this in Luke's gospel, an attorney was questioning Jesus. Said, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus gave the story of the Good Samaritan. And he said, hey, there was a man that came down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves. They beat him up. They stripped him of his clothing. They left him half dead on the road. And a priest came by, uh, a religious leader, a priest. And he walked by, didn't do nothing for him. Then a Levite came by. And a Levite went and looked at him, got close enough to see how bad it was. And then he went on. And then it says a Samaritan who the Jews hated came by. And it says that when the Samaritan came by, he had compassion on him. And he bandaged up his wounds and he put ointment on him and he put him on his own animal, took him to an inn, paid his hotel fee and told the innkeeper, whatever more he uses, when I come back, I'll pay it. And then Jesus said, who was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, him, who, the guy who took care of him, he says, you go and do likewise. And so something I would encourage us to do from what we're learning today is we're those that are we're not under legalism. We're loved by God. We've been accepted by our faith in Christ. Then God would say, now what I want you to do. Now that you understand that you're free, that you're saved, that you belong, that I've loved you, I want you to do for others what I do for you. I want you to love others. I want you to through love, serve one another. And I want you to love others the way you love yourself. And so I would challenge all of us here. Not it's easy to love lovely people. Amen. And God has given all of us some lovely people, some easy to love people. You just get along so good when they come around. You just, ah, you know, whatever that looks like for you. But there's some unlovely people in all of our lives, too. And I think God puts them there, too. And God would say, you know, I, I think that we're never more like Jesus than when we're loving unlovely people because Jesus loves you when you were unlovely. Amen. So I would challenge us, charge us today. Um, what'd you get from church today? I need to go love somebody unlovely. Now, don't tell them that they're unlovely, but you know who they are. You find you got people in your life that, you know, they, they kind of rub you wrong. I want you to be intentional. I'm going to go love on them in Jesus name. I'm going to go love the unlovely because Jesus loved me when I was unlovely. Amen. Last verse 15, he says, but if you bite and devour one another, you will be consumed by one another. If instead of serving one another because of love, out of love serving, if we bite and devour, it says that we'll all be bit and devoured by each other. Uh, we don't want to be a group that's just turned in on each other, tearing one another up. We really want to be a place and a group of people as believers where we're building and loving and encouraging and strengthening. When we gather like this, that people would leave built up. 
We should never leave this place beat up. Uh, unless the word is, you know, really smacking you up and that's, that's between you and the Lord. But we shouldn't leave here beat up by one another. Amen. Uh, we should just be do love, serving each other, loving one another like Christ loves us. Uh, we should leave this place built up and encouraged, able to go back out into that world and be about our father's business. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. These words are so familiar now that one can breeze right past them without a thought. We can even sing the words out loudly and never think about what it means. But take a moment and put yourself in the Galatians' shoes. They've seen crucifixion before. They've probably hurried past, trying not to look at the unfortunate people sentenced to die, such a gruesome death. When people told them Christ was crucified, they knew exactly what that meant, what that looked like and sounded like. So when Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, those words would have been shocking. It paints a picture. The old me has been so violently eradicated that I cannot even think of going back. All I have now is Christ, and He lives in me. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, where we meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also here on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We'd be delighted to have you join us in person, but if you can't, we continue to stream on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. You can find all the information you need at CalvaryInglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. While you're there, you can find and download our mobile app. We're out of time for today, but we'll see you right here next time for a transforming word. Transforming Word